Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. As you turn there, let me just remind you that there is no traditional Sunday evening service tonight. People will be here all day long getting set up for Vacation Bible School, and we could use your help. As I said this earlier, right after service to get some tables taken care of, but uh, Vacation Bible School does start tomorrow evening. Please be in prayer that God would go ahead of us in preparing hearts and lives for Vacation Bible School. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 21, I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of God's Word. This is Jesus teaching. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears, has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure, measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would make manifest to us through this word, your will. That you'd give us ears to hear. That, Lord God, that which we have possession of, that we, Lord God, would bury it deep in the good soil of our lives. Watch it grow up and take root and flourish as your gospel shapes us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How does Jesus' light shine to the world? One of the things that I was most proud of with this this, this construction project was the lights. I love the lights. I love the way the lights in here work. I don't always love these lights up here that shine at me. They kind of hurt my eyes, but supposedly they make me easier for y'all to see. I'm not sure. Um, I love that these work on one switch. We showed you that a few weeks ago. I love the lights outside. And when you're outside on our campus now, there is no darkness in the in parking lots. The parking lot is bright. Uh, even over here in this corner where it used to be so dark, we recognized how dark it could be a few uh, months ago when that light burned out and the handicap section over here was just as dark as a dungeon. The lights have allowed us to see, but we still have some dark spots. A while back, we were unloading a trailer probably during the fall festival and uh, we were over here on the other side of the bus shed. And the bus shed just just completely shadows everything. We were trying to unhook a trailer in the dark, and I'm bent over. Uh, Brian Garbade had backed it over there in his truck. I'm bent over trying to get the trailer unhooked. I heard him get out of the truck. He was probably talking. None of it probably mattered because he talks all the time, and I was tired of listening. Just for you. But he deserves it when I tell you what happened. I'm trying to unhook the trailer. He's laughing because he remembers this. I'm trying to unhook the trailer. And your chairman of deacons was trying to be beneficial to me. And so he walked over in the dark and he shined a flashlight at what he thought was the trailer. But instead I stood up at just the right time. And he was this close to me and shined that light in my eyes. Blinded me. He thought it was hilarious. I couldn't see for like an hour. That could be an exaggeration. I'm not sure. Even in his effort to help me, he blinded me with the light. 
Folks, can I tell you that the gospel of Jesus Christ never blinds us except to close our eyes to the distractions around us and give us a focus, a laser focus on the good news of Jesus. The Apostle Paul was blinded by the light of Jesus on the road to Damascus, but he was blinded only so that he could have a laser-sharp focus on Jesus Christ and who he is. This morning, I want us to consider how does Jesus' light shine in the world? Can I tell you that Jesus shines a lot more than the 400 watts that we get from the lights outside? Jesus illuminates the sin in our life, but even more, he shows us the cross and the way to salvation. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we not only know how to be saved, we are given the opportunity to be saved. And this morning, I believe in this parable, he helps us to see exactly how it is that his light shines in the world. The first thing I want us to see this morning is the gospel shines through proclamation. The gospel shines through proclamation. When people proclaim the good news of Jesus, the gospel shines and God is glorified. Is a lamp lit to be hidden? Jesus says, no. The purpose of a lamp is to shine. So too, Jesus says the purpose of the gospel is to be proclaimed. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. The gospel, you ready? Actually heals the damage done by sin. But the gospel is only good news if people hear it. The gospel is only good news if people hear it. The prophet Isaiah gave this warning. Paul echoed it in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 17. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Folks, people have to be exposed to the gospel before they can be saved by the gospel. There is salvation in no other name except the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the hope for the nations. But listen to me, without Jesus there is no hope. People say, what about those who have never heard? The heart-wrenching reality is those who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ have no avenue for salvation. It is only through Jesus Christ that they can be saved. That's why the onus is laid upon us to get the gospel outside the walls of this building and beyond this community and to the uttermost parts of the world, to the two billion people on this planet who are unengaged with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel shines through proclamation. He said to them, is a, lamp brought in to, is, a, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? I love flashlights. And some of you can make fun of them if you want, but if you're a man, you also love flashlights. Ladies, you know it's true. I got some little boys shaking their head. Oh, that's right. I love my flashlights. I do. I do. I like good flashlights. One of my, my greatest dislikes is to find my flashlights under a bed. They find themselves under a bed because my children find my flashlights. They have their own flashlights. They're not allowed to touch mine. Somehow they get confused, apparently. 
I really don't always think that's what happens. I think sometimes they can't find their flashlight and their mama gets tired of listening to them look for their flashlight and she says something like, just take this one, whatever, just go on. She'll deny it, but it's true, I'm telling you. I think she passes them off. And then I find my flashlights under the bed. Under the bed wouldn't necessarily be a big deal. Now, normally I've been looking for it for six months. Okay, but when I find it under the bed, do you know what I usually find it with? Dead batteries. Do you know why it has dead batteries? Because my children will take a flashlight to their bed and they'll click that flashlight on to read their book. And they'll either fall asleep and the flashlight will fall to the floor or they'll just lose it. But rather than tell somebody what's going on, because probably the truth is they're probably up reading when they're not supposed to be, so there's no way they can actually bring somebody into the store without getting in trouble. They just leave my flashlight laying in the floor until the batteries burn out. Because a flashlight wasn't made to be hidden under a bed. It did serves no purpose under a bed. In the ancient world, it wasn't flashlights we're talking about, but oil lamps. Not only would it serve no purpose under the bed, the, the, the lamp under the bed would set the whole house on fire. Jesus says the gospel is not to be hidden, it is to be proclaimed. But don't forget, the church is the vehicle for the proclamation of the gospel. There is no plan B. It's not like if the church doesn't do its job that God's going to start skywriting the gospel. No, he has given the great commission to us to go. We have the responsibility. The gospel shines through proclamation. God is glorified through proclamation. Souls are saved through proclamation. We have to proclaim the good news. It sets the captives free. Second thing this morning, the gospel shines through revelation. So not only does the gospel shine through, proclama- shine through proclamation, but through revelation. Now, you can imagine, if you will, that this lesson in Mark chapter 4, verses 21 and following was given in response to questions from the disciples. Now, remember, in Bible study, the most important rule for you to remember is context is king. In real estate, it's location, location, location. In Bible study and hermeneutics, it's context, context, context. If we want to understand what Jesus is trying to teach us in verse 21 through 25, we would do well to read chapter 4, verses 1 through 20, and then keep on reading from chapter 26 on. We're going to find out that all these things work together. Now, if we go back to chapter 4, verse, verse 12, we read that Jesus says... All right, let's start in verse 11. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for, ev- for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. You could imagine that the disciples hear this message from Jesus, and they begin to wrestle with confusion. At some point, they look at him and say, Jesus, so do you teach that way because you don't want people to understand what you're talking about? Like, Jesus, is your goal... To make sure that nobody gets it? Jesus says, no, no. Nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Nor is anything secret except to come to light. Jesus answers, of course not. It would be ridiculous to assume that the gospel was given to be hidden forever. The gospel shines, but the gospel doesn't shine through human wisdom or understanding. Paul makes that very clear in 2 Corinthians. He says, I came and preached to you the gospel of the cross of Jesus Christ. Foolishness to man. 
Y'all, we try and put ourselves up as these incredibly wise people of the world to recognize. We got to understand that as far as the world is concerned, this makes no sense. The gospel shines not through human wisdom or understanding, but through the special revelation given by God. The gospel shines only because God chooses to reveal himself. There are two kinds of revelation that we speak of primarily in Christian theology. There's natural or general revelation. And natural and general revelation is the revelation that when we look at the world around us, we perceive that there must be a creator. Right? We were talking about this a little bit before, um, before life groups this morning. You, the kids were playing with a Rubik's Cube, but it would be impossible for us to imagine that we, if, we, if we mix that all up and threw it around, shook it around in a bag, that it would eventually find its way back to what it's supposed to look like. Even worse, to imagine that we'd take a, uh, that Rubik's Cube or something else and smash it into pieces with a hammer and throw it in a bag and shake it around for a couple hundred thousand years and assume that on the back end it's going to come together. We look at the fact that our world works, that things work together in a perfect kind of order. We even perceive a beauty and majesty. And in all of these things, we must acknowledge that it had to come from somewhere. Okay? Don't, don't miss this. We all acknowledge that it came from somewhere. Even the avowed atheist acknowledges that creation came from somewhere. Don't miss that. Either it came from its own self, or it came from a creator that exists outside of itself. Naturalism, naturalism that denies that God exists, but insists that the world arose on its own. That kind of naturalism is really no different than ancient paganism or pantheism that acknowledges that or that claims that the world itself and creation itself is a god. There really are only two alternatives in the world when it comes to theism. We either believe in, in, a, in, in a pantheism where the world and creation, or, or creation is sort of a god in and of itself, which is essentially what Buddhism is. It's essentially what Hinduism is. This is New Age theology. This is Oprah theology. Okay? Or we believe in a world that was created by God that exists outside of the world. Two options. There aren't lots. There are two. So there's ancient paganism, and when we say paganism, understand that somebody, if your mama called you a little pagan, she probably just meant you were a brat. But when we talk about paganism, we're actually talking about nature worship. That's, that's what it means. So there's either paganism that worships the nature as all that exists, which is the claim of naturalism, the universe is all that there is, or we, we worship a theistic creator. Now that's all we can get to for natural theology or natural revelation. General revelation. I look at the world around me, it doesn't show me the cross of Jesus. You understand? It's important because through those questions, I can at least deduce that there must be a God. But salvation is only possible through the special revelation which is given by God. God's glory shines through natural revelation. Absolutely. Paul says that in Romans chapter 1. Okay? The world declares the glory of God. But Paul goes on in Romans chapter 10 and says, But... Unless they've actually heard the name of Jesus, there is no opportunity for salvation. God's glory shines through natural revelation, but the gospel, that is the saving opportunity given through Jesus Christ, shines only through special revelation. No one has ever reasoned their way to the gospel because the gospel itself defies all 
human reason and wisdom. It is foolishness to man. The gospel is revealed not through wisdom or ingenuity of mankind, but through the wonderful grace of God. This is why I'm not primarily, side note, an evidentialist apologist. I'm a presuppositionalist. That doesn't matter, but if it does to you, take it home and you can look it up. The evidence for God's existence is important in defending God's existence, but the evidence for the existence of God will never actually save anyone. Look, if you want people to be saved, they've got to have this. Nothing else will work. Nothing else will work. Nothing else will work. This is why in the post-Christian culture in which we live, it is not sufficient to simply ask somebody if they believe in a God who loves them because they don't believe in the God of this Bible. We talked about that last week. Only through special revelation, the Word of God given to us in the Bible, can people actually conceive of who this God is and how it is that He brings about salvation through the person of Jesus Christ. All right? So the gospel shines through revelation. Now in this teaching, Jesus tells us that he hasn't hidden anything except to bring it to light. The mystery of the gospel is hidden only so that it can be revealed. You understand that? The mystery of the gospel is hidden only so it can be revealed. Nowhere in this word do we find Jesus saying, you should always keep the gospel hidden. It's not here. Jesus says, They may indeed see but not perceive, and they may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Now what this is, is a proclamation of judgment against those who have turned their hearts away from the word of the Lord. Who is it that gets to determine who will be judged by the Lord? God alone. Our responsibility is not to be judge, jury, or executioner. Our responsibility is to be the proclaimer of the gospel. And the only way we can proclaim it is to proclaim the revelation of God. And the revelation of God is wrapped up in this word. Notice not only though that Jesus, or notice that Jesus doesn't actually use the word revelation. Jesus uses the word manifest. This is pretty awesome. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Now, I'll be honest with you, this week I I, I was reading through this and I, as I read this passage of scripture and as I reflected back, I I thought Jesus said nothing is hidden except to be revealed. I I, I thought that, okay? I had to reread it like six times to convince myself that wasn't what he said because I'm hard-headed. But I said, well, that's a synonym for revelation, and then I looked up the two words, and, and, and revealed and manifest are not exact synonyms. Now, to reveal something, I'm going to use a, 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 a to, to, to reveal to you what my shirt looks like would be just to take my jacket off so that you could see my shirt. It's blue, that's all there is to offer. Okay? That, that, I'm, I'm revealing my shirt when I do this. Okay? Revealing my spare tire when I do this. So to reveal something is to uncover it or make it known. To manifest, the word manifest means to make evident, obvious, apparent, or plain. The special revelation of God given through the Holy Spirit and His Word does more than just pull back the curtain. It opens our eyes to see it differently. When the Holy Spirit of God 
gets a hold of our hearts. He doesn't just pull back the curtain. He makes it plain. Folks, how many times have you had the opportunity to speak to somebody who gave their heart to Jesus and they go, I can't believe I didn't see it. It all just makes sense. I can't believe, this this one gets me, I love it. I can't believe I waited so long. Why? Because God doesn't merely reveal Himself. He makes manifest the mysteries of the Gospel. I think there's division that comes in the church because we argue about whether or not this is the conviction of the Holy Spirit or the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. And what I'm here to tell you today is you can call it whatever you want, but the Bible says that Jesus makes manifest. He reveals the scales from our eyes. And all of a sudden, the world is in a new light. Everything's different. My dad had cataract surgery several years back. After he told us how much better he could see, we were concerned that we had been allowing him to drive our children but, but, but the thing, and, and if, if any of you have had cataract surgery, somebody told me they're going to be having cataract surgery soon here. I don't remember who that was right now. Uh, but if, if you've had cataract surgery, maybe you had the similar experience. He said, I, I walked into the drugstore and I couldn't believe how many colors there were there. He said, everything had been so shaded and clouded and now I could see in high definition again. That's what the gospel does. It doesn't just pull back the curtain. It makes it apparent, obvious, unavoidable. Boom, here it is. I don't do Facebook too much anymore because in all honesty, I just get caught up in it and waste tons and tons of time. Especially y'all put those videos on there and I'm I'm just curious enough and I click on them and then I lose, you know, 10, 22 hours. Um, So I just don't do it too often. But somebody suckered me in with a video this week of of a young girl, a young lady, who had received cochlear implants. And the video was of her hearing for the very first time. And and, and her, her, her boyfriend was there, and her mom was there. And, and, and when, when they turned them on, she just began to weep. And I, I, I couldn't get over this one. The, 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 the technician looked at the mom and said, tell her you love her. For the first time in her life, that daughter heard her mom say, I love you. Folks, when we talk about the power of the gospel to reveal God, it's as though the Lord opens our hear, ears and for the very first time we hear I love you it's not as though he's not been telling us that he loved us all along it's not as though we didn't know John three sixteen. it's not even as though with every breath we breathe we might have been able to perceive that God cared enough about us to allow us to live it's as though the implants have been turned on and for the first time we hear it from his voice I love you 
We see our sin for the first time as sickening and gross, not because He is condemning us, but because when we experience the overflow of God's love in our life, we are what? We are convicted of the sin because we have let down our Heavenly Father. The Holy Spirit of God brings conviction, revelation. This is how the Spirit works in salvation. This is why it is so important for us to pray for God to open eyes and hearts. We need the Holy Spirit of God to convict people of their sin. And to you ready? Are you ready? Make manifest the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need it because when the Spirit awakens you to your sin in the gospel, you suddenly go, whoa, how did I not see that? And folks, can I tell you that as a pastor who has the privilege of hearing many of you, or has had the privilege of hearing many of you say that to me, it is one of the greatest joys in all my life. To have somebody sit across the table from me and say, I didn't know that God could love me. And He does. I don't have this as one of my points, but you know the gospel is also made manifest through the outpouring of love that a church family offers. Do you know that? That when you live the gospel, people take notice? When you impact people's lives, they notice? We'll move on from there, but just the gospel shines through revelation. And finally this morning, the gospel shines through invitation. Now look, Jesus says, pay attention to what you hear. Okay? Pay attention. But before that, he says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. You know what Jesus doesn't say right there? Jesus doesn't say, this isn't for you. He doesn't. He says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. What does that mean? Jesus says, pay attention. For anyone who will hear it, this message is for you. Now he's clear, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added. Jesus says, pay attention. Because you're only going to receive as much out of this word as you're willing to hear from this word. Okay? You will only receive as much out of this word as you're willing to hear from this word. You don't get to learn it by osmosis. I wish... I wish we could cuddle with it every night and I would just get godlier, but I can't. I've got to take the word. Now watch. He says, for to the one who, who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why it's important for us to go back and read this in context. There's a reminder here that for the, 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 the seed that falls on the rocky ground, the seed that falls on all those bad soils, even that which they, which they have, they will lose. Jesus says, pay attention. Make sure what kind of soil there is in your own life. Are you open to the work of the Holy Spirit? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. God never saved anybody against their will. God never saved anybody against their will. Now, I'll be honest with you. He broke some of our wills down to get us where he wanted us to be. And praise the Lord for it. But God never ever bludgeons somebody and says, I'm going to save you even though you don't want it. The gospel shines not through a bludgeoning, but through invitation. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
Folks, when's the last time that you invited somebody to receive Jesus? Do you know that the proclamation of the gospel, the, the privilege of God's revelation as shown in this word, all still falls flat without the invitation, come to Jesus. Would you be saved today? The gospel shines through invitation. When's the last time you invited somebody to Jesus? Hey, let's take it one step easier. When's the last time you invited somebody to come with you to church? When's the last time you invited somebody or, 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 or offered to pray for somebody that you just invited them into the gospel in your own life? Pray with a woman just yesterday. How could I pray for you? Do you have a church home? I do have a church home. This one blessed me. And I'm so thankful for your church. My children attend your vacation Bible school every single year. I said, can I pray for you? And the tears just welled up and she just wept as she shared with me what, she, what was so heavy on her heart. There's a world that is lost and dying and in need of a Savior. And that lamp was not lit to be hidden. It was to be set on a stand. The gospel is to be proclaimed. The gospel is glorified in the revealed Word of God and the work of His Holy Spirit. But there is still one responsibility that has been given to us. That is to invite people to the marriage feast of the Lamb. Come to Jesus. Come all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So this morning... Would you come to Jesus? You see, I, I, I would be so remiss to preach about the gospel and not invite you to come to eat from the bread of life and to drink from the well of living water. The parables of Jesus can sometimes be difficult to understand. And if you'll, if you'll envision it, the parables of Jesus are kind of like a tapestry. And in the parables, or, or I should say the gospel of Jesus, is a tapestry. And sometimes the parables that we read, in part, are the backside of that. Have you ever looked at the backside of a tapestry? It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. There's knots and there's string. It's not until you turn it around and you see the beautiful picture that's been, that's been woven into that tapestry. The parables work together in the message of Jesus to weave this beautiful picture of a revealed God who sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross to save us from our sin. The gospel reveals ugly things about us, but it only does so so that God can reach into the ugliness and heal us. The gospel shows us how dirty and depraved and sinful we are, but it does so only so that the healing balm of the gospel can be applied. I was talking with a young kid just this week about the gospel and about sin. This child kept saying, well, that's my mistake. Just my mistake. My mis sin is just a mistake. And I had this child explain to me some of the sin that they had done. It was, no, it was no mistake. <laughs> well, I hit so-and-so, and, -so and I yelled at such-and-such, -such, but it was a mistake. Parents, let's be careful. We're teaching our children every time that you have an angry outburst, you go, oh, it's just a mistake. No, 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 it was a choice. Your children are watching. 
God shows us just how ugly and sinful our choices are. But He does so only so that He can bring healing. The infection from our sin runs deep and it is necessary that the Holy Spirit convict us of our sin in the deepest, darkest, ugliest parts so the infection can be removed and the healing power of the gospel can be applied. So what is the gospel? It's really pretty simple. The Bible teaches us that God created a, a really good, perfect, awesome world. He created the Garden of Eden, and He created animals, and He created all these other wonderful things, the plants and the beautiful pictures. And by pictures, I mean the pictures of the world around us. He created the star and the moon, stars and the moon, the skies, the clouds, the earth, the oceans. And then at the end of all that, He took this good creation, and He placed man and woman in the middle of the garden, and God said, it is very, very good. But we, as human beings, all the way back to the very beginning, have been the kind of people that loved ourselves more than we loved our Heavenly Father. And in our pride and our arrogance, Adam and Eve decided they didn't want to live under God's rule and God's blessing. They believed that they were better suited to rule over themselves than they were to serve a holy God. And as a result of that, they sinned in the garden. They said, we don't want to listen to what God has to say, we want to do it our way. And as a result of that sin, sin has reigned supreme in the world ever since. When Adam and Eve sinned in that moment, death and pain and struggle and strife and turmoil entered our world and it continues to live with us. But it has never been God's desire that His children should be forever separated from Him by their sin. It's never been God's desire that His children should suffer under the tyranny of sin. That we should regularly weep because of death and pain and struggle. It's never been God's desire that we should live with wars and rumors of wars and natural disasters. Instead, it is God's desire that we would live in perfect harmony and relationship with Him and the world around us. But because of our sin, it was necessary that a perfect sacrifice should be offered. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory and His expectation. But Jesus was sent into the world. He came so that we might live. He came and died the death that we deserved on the cross of, of, of Calvary. And there at the cross, Jesus took the punishment for your sin and for mine. And He offers the opportunity today for you and I to be made right with our Creator in spite of all of our sin. That's the gospel that we've preached about this morning. That's the gospel that's revealed in this Word. And this is the invitation. Would you come to Jesus today? Would you come? What holds you back? Why wouldn't you come to Jesus? Is it your pride? Is it your shame? Is it your fear? He died on the cross for all of those things. Do you honestly believe that you're too bad for God to save? He died on the cross for you too. He desires for you to go and live with Him in heaven one day. Hell was created for those who were God's enemies, but the cross was given so that none would have to be enemies of God. Would you come today and be saved? Would you come today and be saved? Would you come and experience the love of Jesus and allow Him to root out the sin in your life, to heal you with the good news of the gospel? Jesus Christ. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness could not overcome it. Jesus Christ is the light of 
of the world. Would you come today? Let us pray. Father in heaven, we give you praise and glory and honor for you are worthy. God, the Bible says you came to seek and to save that which was lost. God, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But Lord, God, you laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all. Lord God, I pray that for those here today who do not know you, that today would be the day of salvation. Today would be the day when they walk away from their sin and they walk to Jesus and they find salvation at the foot of the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.